paranormal perception is about to be conjured into existence by 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC. This is Paranormal Perception. This show is where you start your journey into the unknown. You have many questions. Do we have answers? Concurrently, while your first question may be the most pertinent, you may or may not realize it is also the most irrelevant. Sometimes, sometimes, we'll have more questions. Ergo, some of my answers you will understand and some of them you will not. One thing's for sure, by the end of this episode, you'll have a new perception of the paranormal. I've been waiting for you. Welcome to Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel and spiritual guidance from unearthing the supernatural. Hello there, my spooky friends. Welcome to the final weeks of 2022. Now, I haven't done this in a while, but I have a couple of OC Paracon updates before we get to the guest. First, I can confirm that OC Paracon 2023 will be on the weekend of... Drumroll, please. You don't have a drumroll. Imagine one. October 6th through 8th next year. That's Friday through Sunday. Last year, it was only two days. Now we had a third day, Friday. And if you're thinking, I know you are, but I have work, I have school, I got to pick up the kids from school, you know, whatever. Whatever your life is, don't worry. Things at OC Paracon, they don't start till 5 p.m. anyway. I can also not reveal that Friday night, that Friday night, it's going to end with a film screening and a Q&A with the director. I just can't tell you what film and who the director is yet. Yeah, no, no peeking at your Christmas present. Although, this is more of a Halloween treat than a Christmas present. Also, I'll announce the first five guest speakers at the beginning of season six. It's only a few weeks away, though. You don't have that long to wait. Next month. But it's also next year. We're thinking, we being the boys and myself here in Sean Clan, we've been, we're thinking about putting up the tickets putting them up for sale so you can get them and, you know, not have to worry about OC Paracon until October. But that's not a for sure thing. We're not, you know, uh, I'm going to announce, like I said, I'm going to announce the first five, but not knowing the complete lineup, maybe you won't be ready to, to get your tickets until you know who exactly is going to be there. So that's not a for sure thing, but we're thinking about maybe, maybe putting the tickets up for sale. One thing that is for sure, though, there's sponsorships for OC Paracon. The biggest level is the year-long sponsorship. That one's not just for OC Paracon. It's also here, Paranormal Perception, all year long. That means commercials. That means I mention you, uh, social media. You'll get plenty of exposure, in other words, um, the, for a paranormal audience at least. So that that's the biggest one. We also have sponsorships for just OC Paracon, just for that weekend, the program, there's full page ads for the program, the badges, the lanyards. Also for the Paranormal Perception booth, those of you who were there this year, you remember Unearthing the Supernatural, the boys and I, we were set up uh, in a separate room for on-camera interviews. In fact, some of you even sat down with us and recorded some of your ghost stories, which we heard on the Halloween episode. You can sponsor that one. The one thing that we don't have up yet, now that I think about it, and only I remember only because I, I've seen a couple of emails come in about it, vendor tables now we are going to have vendors but they're not available yet only because we haven't confirmed uh, kind of a big thing about oc paracon 
the location. I've looked at I've looked at a few different ones. I mean, we have to have it somewhere, right? I've looked at a diff a few different ones, including the Sinesta Hotel, which is where we had it this year. And that, but that's actually the first big thing that we're going to do in the new year. One once we know that, once we know where it's going to be, and especially how big the space is, then we can make vendor tables available. So it's not we're, like we're not going to have vendors. We will, but as soon as I know how many can fit in the room then we'll make the uh, the vendor tables available. I know a lot of you, like I said, have been asking about those. So for everything that I just mentioned and some things that I didn't mention, but surprise, they'll be there soon. Keep checking ocparacon.com for everything that I just mentioned in some surprise announcements. That's all I'm going to say. So in just a moment, I will introduce you to this week's guests. Paranormal Perception will return in a moment. As soon as the calendar hits December and the nights get colder, know that here on Paranormal Perception, scaring is caring. We'll be sharing your ghost stories on this year's Christmas episode. So get them in before December 16th. Record them on paranormalperception.show or on your phone and email them to henry at paranormalperception.show. Seasons screaming from all of us at Paranormal Perception. Magic. Wonder. Wonderful magic. The world is full of wonderful magic. You just have to take the time to see it. Here is a little audio magic from Paranormal Perception. And all that without a wand. Well, maybe my microphone counts as a wand. We're back on Paranormal Perception. So let me introduce you to this week's guest, and that is Joni May. And she's the author and author and paranormal investigator. Usually I would this is the point where I would tell you the entire biography for the guest. Instead of doing that, however, I'm gonna have Joni tell us that because she has a very fascinating story, actually. But you, you can find out more and you can especially get her books at ww.jonimayan.com. That's M-A-M-A-Y-H-A-N. And as always, I have a link on the show description. Just click on Jody's name, it'll take you there. Joni, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So, so before we get into the books and everything else you've done, uh, like I said, let, let me have you tell your story. Let's go back to to the beginning. First, you describe yourself uh, as a clairaudient and a medium. Which ability did you become aware of first, and, and how did that happen? Well, clairaudience is actually a part of being a medium, and it means that I hear a tone. And for me, it's similar to ear ringing. Uh, with different levels. Sometimes it's like static and sometimes it's like a bell. And I've learned that if I tune into that, I can pull information. I can pull mind pictures. I can really tell where the ghost is in the room and definitely determine whether it's uh, someone I want to mess with or someone I don't want to mess with. But uh, it's grown over the years. You know, it's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And, uh, you know, to a point now where, um, I can walk into a home or a business or any building. And if there's a ghost there, I will know it and I'll be able to pull some information. Uh, I'm not saying I'm an excellent medium. I don't communicate back and forth with them, but uh, I'm able to get enough to know what's going on. 
Well, the the tone that you get is, I, I imagine it could get annoying because you or are you are you able to turn it on and off, or is it just all the time you're you're hearing it? Well, I wish I could turn it on and off. <laughs> that would be wonderful. But uh, I've learned how to listen around it. Like I will ignore it and I won't pay attention to it. Like people will say, is there, is there something here? And I'll have to actively listen and I'll, you know, say, yeah, there's definitely something here. So I think it would drive me crazy um, if I were hearing the tone. It's not like tinnitus. Um, a lot of people, you know, say, well, maybe you just yeah. have tinnitus. And the way to tell if you're hearing a ghost or if you actually have a medical condition is to just turn your head. If the sound gets softer or louder, then it's probably you're hearing a ghost. If it stays constant, it's probably tinnitus. So I'm able to track them around the room. I can turn my head and tell you where they're standing just by honing in on where the sound is the loudest. So kind of like radar in a way, what it sounds like. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, it's a sixth sense that I was given. Um, I've had it since I've been a child. I didn't always understand what it meant. Uh, it does come with the sense of somebody being there as well, like that feeling that somebody walked into the room. Um, sometimes I feel them literally swoop in, and and it's it's almost a radar feeling. It's just that air shifting, just that feeling of a presence, and then also the ear ringing will go from faint to really loud. So you know, I've always known that it was a ghost, but. There were a good period of my time, my life, where I was terrified of it, and I just did not want anything to do with it. And then, you know, the ghost kept finding me. Everywhere I lived, there was a ghost in the house, and things, activity would happen. And I soon learned that I was a ghost magnet, and I could either run from it, or I could embrace it and learn as much as I could. And, uh, you know, just by the fact that we're sitting here talking, you know what choice I made. Yeah. And I found that knowledge was definitely power. So the more I knew and the more I learned, uh, the stronger I could get and the more I could be helpful in a lot of ways. And uh, just also satisfying my own curiosity about what's on the other side. How young were you when you first started hearing or when you noticed that that sound? I want to say I was around four years old. I can remember my mother tucking me into my bedroom and uh, turning off the light and I'd lay there and I'd watch the curtains, the little animals, I had animal shapes on my curtains and I'd watch them start moving. And then I'd see the shadows in my room moving and I would hear my ears ringing and I feel like somebody was in there with me. And that's when I would like shriek out for my mother and uh, she would come in and she would say, there's no such thing as ghosts. And, you know, she would leave the door open a crack. Uh, but from that point on, I've always slept with a nightlight. Even to this day, I sleep with a nightlight because I don't like being in total darkness because I don't know what's in there with me. Yeah, I I, I get that. But my my first experience when it's when I was four years old, also, and it was seeing full bodied apparitions coming out of my closet in the in the house that I grew up in. Oh, which, why? like you, to this day, I can sleep with the yeah. lights off, but I can't if I'm by a closet, the door can't be open. That's just that's just a thing <laughs> today for me today. Um, and that's just smart. <laughs> yeah. But for, I mean, for you, for you, cause when I talk to people and granted there's a, there's a bit more of an acceptance today for the paranormal, the supernatural than there was 10, even definitely 20, 30 years ago for sure. But, um, one or two people experience when they experience the paranormal, two things can happen. Uh, either they run for the hill, want nothing to do with it, or like you, like me and everybody that's listening to us right now. They embrace it. They want to know more, especially if they're gifted. 
I mean, you kind of have no choice when you, when you have a gift. You can't really run away That's from it. That's right. Um, but yep. what do you think it was about you, your personality that young that made you want to know more and, and embrace it more rather than just run away and try to turn it off? Oh, I, I ran away and tried to turn it off until I was in my 40s. <laughs> so I was um, constantly having experiences like every house we moved into, something scary would happen. And I just you know, at that point, um, didn't really understand the difference between that there were good ghosts, there were bad ghosts, there were ghosts that just hung around, didn't really want anything, there were ghosts that were not good. And um, I think I just thought they were all scary, they were all bad, because that's what we were taught, that's what we see on TV and in movies. And uh, by the time I got into my 40s, um, I was recently divorced, and I had been very much drawn to the paranormal shows. And so I was watching a lot of that and learning and I started reading a lot of books and uh, just searching online and learning. And then I finally joined a paranormal group and that's when things really kind of opened up for me because then I was with other like-minded people who I could share my experiences with and they didn't think I was crazy. You know, they would help me validate. And and that's when I really started growing as a medium. Before finding that group, did Besides your mom, did you tell anybody, your friends or anybody else about these abilities that you have? Um, Through the years, I might have told a few people, but the reaction was always, you know, they'd look at me like I had three heads, Um, (laughs) you know, so I just really kind of stopped talking about it, Um, you know, and when we started having, we moved into, I got married and we moved into our first house and started having really creepy, scary things happen. And you know, I didn't realize it was because of me that I was pulling it in. Um, you know, it just took me years to figure everything out. And by the time I was in my forties, I was in a place where I could, um, kind of understand it a little bit better without that level of paralyzing fear behind it. And, uh, of course, the more you get into this, uh, the stronger you get, the more visible you are to the other side. So I went from drawing some of them in to drawing all of them in. And I had a really terrifying uh, paranormal experience that I wrote about in my book, The Soul Collector, where I got an attachment. I got a really ne- nasty, negative attachment that wouldn't leave me. And so, I, you know, you learn a lot. Um, people are always asking me if you could go back and change things, you know, would you do anything different? I'm like, no, because every experience I've had negative or positive has taught me something and it's brought me to the place I am today. So, you know, not saying I enjoyed it, but, uh, it was definitely beneficial. Yeah. I I love that. I mean, that's kind of like real life. Also, I always say, you know, relationships, whether good or bad, they always add something to you. They make they make you who you ultimately end up being as a person. So same thing with the paranormal, uh, depending on the, uh, the experiences that you have, good, bad, terrifying, that, kind of skews your view of the paranormal in, in a way. Um, but let me go back again to your, your younger days with this ability. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever asked any medium or psychic or, or anybody gifted this question. How did, how did you get through school with the, with these abilities? Um, you know, I can, you know, I, I didn't really fully understand, like I wasn't trained. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Anybody that I did try to talk to told me there's no such thing as ghosts and that I had a good imagination, which, you know, that was accurate. I was very imaginative. Uh, But, you know, I knew what I was feeling was real. And I just kind of like I would feel things like there were certain areas. Like I remember we uh, moved to another town and moved into the house that my grandfather had lived in. 
And when he died, he gave it to my mother. And that's where we moved. And I can remember there were a couple of places in that house that I just did not like. And I couldn't really figure it out. They scared me. One of them was a, like a little carport. There was a closet kind of behind it. And I did not like being in that room. And the other place was uh, literally in our bedroom, my bedroom that I shared with my younger sister. And I couldn't pinpoint why I didn't like it. I just didn't like being in that room by myself. So, you know, now I can look back and I'd love to be able to walk through that house again. Um, I'm sure that uh, there's probably something lingering there that I was picking up on. So I really wasn't trained at that point. I had nobody to talk to. So sometimes it's hard to differentiate between, you know, your own imagination and actually something being there. Yeah, the moment you mentioned the closet there, I'm 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 done. No, not not for me. Like I said, yeah, <laughs> can't yeah. be in a room with an yeah, open yeah. closet. <laughs> uh, so, well, when- it's a, yeah, it's a lineal space too. It's a place where uh, people would have moved in and out of over time, and I feel like sometimes that energy almost creates its own almost portal. Um, so, like staircases, doorways, um, yeah. Any kind of area like that seems to have a little bit more activity than just a, a stagnant room. Yeah, yeah, that that's actually what, what what I call it the haunted mansion, the house I grew up in. I can tell you that story off the air when we're done here. But um, when you when you said you started watching the uh, the paranormal TV shows, you you discovered the books, and you started discovering other people like like minded people. Was that when you first seriously started looking into your abilities into the paranormal, or or did you, did you or was it before that? No, it was about then. Um, really, uh, but, but before I joined the group, I had already read everything I could get my hands on. And I I felt like I was pretty well versed in basically what the paranormal was all about. I mean, I'm still learning to this day. But when I joined the paranormal group, I become friends with uh, a woman who was kind of coming into her abilities as well. Like, you know, we had these abilities that kind of were dormant. And once we started working with them, they become more activated and stronger. And she was going through it at the same time. And she's, uh, to this day, still one of my closest friends. Her name is Sandy McLeod. And we, the two of us, would go out just by ourselves. And we would use pen, pen, pen and paper. And when we felt a ghost come in, we would both write down what we felt. That way we weren't tainting the other person's perception. And... We, then we would compare notes, and it was just crazy how closely aligned we were. So it helped. She was clairsentient, which means she feels clear feeling, and I was clairaudient, which was clear clear hearing. And she would feel uh, she has. I've run into a couple of people the same way, but she would feel her scalp crawl when there was a ghost nearby, along with that sense of somebody being there, and. Through our work, she was able to learn that, you know, a male might be the side, the right side of her head. A female might be the left side. If it was younger, it would be toward towards the beginning of her head. You know, just, just depending on where it touched her, she could tell what it was. And, you know, it's a gateway for both of us. Like once you tune into that first ability, like the first level, um, then it opens up other levels where you're able to actually start getting words in your head and information and mind pictures and just as much information as you want to get. So she and I worked together and then there was a psychic medium on the paranormal team that we were able to work with. And through that, we found a lot of other mentors, a lot of psychic mediums. Then you know, I've worked with dozens of people over the years, just 
kind of honing my own abilities and learning, you know, what it is I'm feeling and perceiving. Um, and now I work with other people. Like I, now I'm the mentor. So it's kind of come full circle for me. Yeah. And I love the fact that you learned from other gifted people. I imagine that that probably made it easier rather than just somebody that, that didn't, that didn't have abilities and they would look at you like, well, I don't, I don't get your gift. So I imagine be working with someone who, who is gifted like you, that made it a little bit easier for you. Oh, absolutely. And I recommend it for anybody that's trying to learn more about their abilities. Um, but I also say that with a heavy note of caution, because once you open that door, you can't close it again. So is this going to be your life from now on? And, you know, there's times when I kind of wish I hadn't expanded my abilities as much as I did, because I'm never alone. <laughs> you know, there's never a moment when uh, there isn't something nearby or you know, just the people's perceptions towards me. We had, um, I live in the town of New Harmony, Indiana, and uh, it's like a Norman Rockwell painting, this town is, and they had a Christmas festival over the weekend, and one of the things they had was a house tour where some people opened up their big, beautiful mansions and allowed people to walk through, and one of the first houses I got to when I walked to the door, the owner knew who I was, and his face went pale. He said, if there's something here, I don't want to know about it. (laughs) So, you know, people kind of shy away from me a little bit. I'm not invited to a lot of homes because people just, some of them just don't want to know. If there's something here, don't tell me, (laughs) you know, not that I would blurt that out anyways, but, you know. Know, nobody really understands what it's like until they're there. Yeah. So when when did you decide to write the first book? Um. Well, I've been a writer all my life. It's like just what I do. It's what I what what identifies me really. Um. And I had written um pre fiction books, and I hadn't gotten into any true paranormal because I really hadn't experienced anything. But when I went through the soul collector, after that was said and done, I just was stunned. I was, it was like surviving a natural disaster, like going through an avalanche or something. And then having them tell you, you should not talk about this. You should not uh, write about it, especially, you know, this is your information. You just tuck it away. It happened to you be done with it. Because if you, bring attention back to it, you could call it back to you and you could experience this all over again. So I sat on it for two years and I finally, I just thought, you know, this is asinine. I'm a writer. This is what I do. I can't not share this because, you know, some of it happened because I did some foolish things as a novice medium, a novice investigator. And I thought this information really needs to get out to other people because maybe somebody else feels the same way. And it was difficult, though, because at that point in time, nobody knew, uh, for the most part, that I was feeling ghosts, that I knew what was going on. They, Some of them might have known I investigated, but it wasn't anything I really put out there because, you know, there was that stigma of, yeah. you know, paranormal ghost hunters are crazy. And so it took a lot of courage for me to, you know, publish that first book, Soul Collector, and once I did, um, the floodgates opened. That was the beginning uh, of my paranormal career because so many people reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, I've had something like that happen to me or, oh, I hear the ear ringing as well. And, uh, you know, it just kind of launched things. It was number one in its category on Amazon for a long time. It was a really well-received book. And um, 
you know, it just kind of took off from there. And then after that, I was less inclined to worry about what people think about me and, and put my information out there because this is who I am, better or worse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we have our, our own events here. I cover a lot of Paracons also with, with the show. And that's one, I always said, that's one thing I really love about, about Paracons is not just the guest speakers, but especially meeting the attendees. Cause a lot of them, it's exactly what your book was to a lot of people where you sometimes you just need like-minded people. You need to know that, Hey, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm not imagining seeing or hearing these things. Other people are experiencing it also. So yeah, even if just through a book, it's great that you provided that gateway for people. And, uh, and, and I imagine also, uh, I mean, writing any, I've, I've talked to a lot of authors, paranormal and just regular writers, uh, writing the book, even if it's fiction, it's, it's very hard for writers. I don't know if you see it the same way because it's so personal, even if it's not about you, but, but there's a lot of you in that. And one of the authors I talked to not too long ago, they, they, they're, they're correct. She said that your words kind of like ghosts live forever. So even when we're no longer around, our words, whatever books we wrote, they're gonna be still be there. Next generations, generations from now that won't we won't even see, they're gonna see your your book. So it is a pretty personal experience. I mean, for you, how hard was it really when you started writing about your experiences and putting that on paper? How how hard was that for you? Um, you know, it really the first book was difficult because you know I knew that I was gonna have people that went to high school with me. I was going to have aunts and uncles and uh, people that lived in my same town and ran into me at the grocery store. We're going to suddenly know, you know, about all this about me. But once I got that out there and I realized that this was kind of my calling, I I kind of lost that, um, that fear. And I've inserted myself into a lot of, a lot of my books are my stories. Um, Probably the most personal one for me is ghost magnet. I decided I really needed to write about just all the things that had happened. Like the book is full of stories and, you know, each one could be a standalone movie, you know? Um, and, and I put, you know, a lot of my personal information, I went through some stuff during that book and, um, you know, it brought me, but I think it was comforting because to a lot of people, because it shows that sometimes the universe removes obstacles from your path, even if it's comfortable, even if it's what you're used to. Uh, in order to allow growth. And so all the things that happened to me ended up bringing me from Massachusetts to Indiana, which is my home state, where I've just flourished since I've been here. So, you know, I look back at all those horrible things that I had that happened to me in Massachusetts. And I thought, you know, they were clearing a path and trying to help get me where I needed to be. And thankfully, I was intuitive enough to listen to it uh, and follow the follow the signs. But I've had a lot of people come to me later and say, thank you for sharing that. You know, that was pretty brave. I mean, I talk about, I went through a bankruptcy. I went through a foreclosure. I went through a divorce. Uh, I went through some tough stuff. And, um, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of because it's just part of your history. It's part of what happened to you. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you somebody that's gone through bad stuff. And if you've learned from it, then you're stronger. And I've definitely gotten a lot of great feedback from people over the years. So I'm not afraid to share my information. Yeah. And then if any of you are wondering, like, where, where can I get Joni's books? Well, just click on her name on the show description. They'll take you there. They're available everywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Amazon. Obviously, they're available there. Yeah. Amazon's really the primary place to find them. But there are some bookstores, you know, throughout the country that do sell them. Anybody can get them. So you can go into your Barnes and Noble and ask them to order a book. 
And if they don't have it on the shelf, they can definitely get it. So, uh, or just Amazon is fine. Yeah. And again, link to everything on the uh, show description. You guys can follow it there and find all of Joni's books. So another thing that you're doing is the ghost walk. So talk about how, how that came about, the ghost walks. You know, it was really crazy. Um, you know, I talked about the bankruptcy and the foreclosure. When I came to Indi- back to Indiana, I really just wanted to heal. I wanted to lick my wounds. I wanted to settle into um, this cute little community. And I just wanted to be one of them and be well-liked. So I didn't talk really about what I did. I just kind of kept myself and took it all in. But what I found as I was walking around is that every building, every house was full of ghosts. And I thought, this is crazy. You know, I've been, you know, spent 30 years in Massachusetts. I know what, you know, Salem feels like. I know what a lot of these older, you know, haunted towns feel like. And this town was just bustling with ghostly activity. And so finally I started asking people and like, you know, you know, is this town haunted? And I started getting ghost stories and I thought, dang, this is what I do. (laughs) You know, this is what I do. I write about ghosts. So started collecting all the ghost stories and uh, ended up putting out a book called Haunted New Harmony about this town. And with a lot of my books, I'm very into the history. Um, I feel like the history really links the hauntings and it's just as important to bring that information in because it, it teaches us something about how haunting begins and why it's still there. And so that book was very well received. I was really surprised because I think this ghost stories in this town had been linked together. People have been telling people over the years, but nothing had ever formally been written down. And, you know, everybody had a small piece of the puzzle, but nobody had the whole thing. And once I finished the book, um, I found that I really missed talking about all the ghost stories. And I thought, wow, you know, this is a tourist town. Uh, This is kind of what this town survives on. And I thought, you know what they need? They need a ghost walk. (laughs) And so just uh, on a wing and a prayer, I just uh, set up a route and uh, went through my book and pulled stories. And it's so condensed with the haunting that I now have two ghost walks, separate ghost walks in this town. And there are five of us now doing the ghost walks. So it's we're in our this will be our sixth year. And uh, it's been very successful and we love doing it. It pulls people in. Um, I feel like it's been a benefit to both me and the town and all the people that own businesses here because October alone, we pulled in um, something like 650 people. So all those people came to this small town where there's really, it's not a pass through or anything. You come here because you're looking for something specific. And once they're here, they stop and eat at the restaurants. They stay at the inns, they shop in the stores. And um, so, you know, I like doing my part, you know, I don't want this town to ever fade and die. And, Uh, So I've definitely been helping with tourism and it's now supporting me between that and my books. This is what I do. Ghosts are my living. Yeah. And I love it. I I wouldn't ask for anything better. No, no, but I was smiling when you said that ghosts are your living. Funny how total opposites there. (laughs) Uh, But I live off the dead. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, is it, is it only locals that that go on a tour or is it people from out of state even? Oh, all over the place. You know, I've, Gosh, I've had people from California come on my walks. Mm. Um, I mean, not, maybe they were here visiting somebody else, but I do pull in people. Like we're Southern Indiana, Southern tip of the state, which is shaped like a boot. So we pull in people from Indianapolis, from St. Louis, from Louisville, um, Tennessee, just all around the area. I think 
the furthest I had somebody drive was like uh, just for the ghost walk. They drove from mid uh, somewhere in the middle of Ohio and they heard about my ghost walks and wanted to see them and drove all the way down for that. So, yeah. and I get a, quite a few of those people. I, I don't always hear all their stories. Sometimes, you know, we have a group of 20 people. You don't get to talk to everybody individually, but um, yeah, they become very popular and we have a lot of fun. We use a lot of humor in our ghost walks and um you know, we don't dress up in costume except for the week of Halloween. You know, we just we treat it like from a paranormal investigator aspect and walk around and talk about the history of the town, which is very fascinating, and talk about the um, the hauntings. And actually, somebody last night, this is funny that we're talking today, uh, sent me a video, and I'm still trying to digest it. So when we were at one of the most haunted houses in town, which is the Fauntleroy house. He had wandered away, and I remember him because he kept wandering away to take pictures through windows and stuff. And this was a museum building, so nobody lives there. And he was filming video, and he sent it to me last night. And there is literally a full-body apparition walking through the frame and in inside this house. And, you know, it's only like you only see it for maybe three seconds, but it's see-through it's white it looks like um like a very short person um yeah i've got to still go through and really dissect it but it was fascinating to me it's like yep there's a ghost (laughs) you know it doesn't surprise me but you know it's the first time we've caught one on film like that so uh just crazy stuff wonderful stuff though could it be a child or was there any history of a shorter person living there um that no not that i know of on that aspect there were children definitely that died in that house um it's a house that has a lot of layers of hauntings um first haunting was reported in like 1847 so there's a lot of different layers of people that have haunted that house so i i don't know um you know people were shorter back then so maybe you know maybe this was one of the older ghosts but she was rushing from one room going through a doorway into the other room and she disappeared when she got into the other room and not all of her was always visible like there's a couple frames where it looks like you can and he was filming it through a window so i'm not completely you know there's no way it was somebody walking behind him um because it didn't cast the reflection of him but i don't know it's just uh it's very interesting to me so i'm getting ready to put that out on social media pretty soon so try to get other people's opinions. So that's one thing I, one thing I do is I don't always just jump in and say, Oh my gosh, look at this ghost. I'm going to dissect it first. I'm going to look it over because there's too many ways that it could not be a ghost. And I don't want to put it out there as something it's not. So, you know, we're very careful with trying to debunk anything we come across before we put it out into the world and say, Hey, look what we found. Yeah. Well, because as you know, there are plenty of debunkers as it is on the internet. So, oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh definitely. If there's something wrong with it, people will definitely let me know. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll even even if there isn't, they'll find something wrong with it and point it out anyway. That's that is true. Yeah, life right. on the internet. Oh, oh, oh yeah. joy. Um, the, but like I said, the um, the people from out of state. I'm not surprised to hear that. One thing I've learned about paranormal enthusiasts, they, they do travel. They, they, they're, it literally is a passion. They go as far, you know, they go overseas on, uh, on paranormal tours. They, they go uh, across the country. So uh, I'm not shocked to hear that you have some from out of state, some from California, even where I am. 
So, having said that, how how can the listeners? How can they book a a, a tour? Uh, then they're not happening now, though, right? The tours. Now we're taking a break over the winter, but we do actually also do paranormal investigations where we rent some of these old historic buildings and we have a paranormal investigation. We have one of those coming up January 14th and um, it's in an old building and it's, we've done a pre-investigation there. Um, and you're actually going to be playing some of the EVPs that we captured there from our, our pre-investigation. But uh, people can find out about my ghost walks, my books, anything. It's all the same website, JoniMahan.com or hauntednewharmony.com also leads you to that same website. So you can find it all there. Yeah, I have both of those linked on the uh, show description. And yes, you you gave it away there. I was gonna about to tease it, actually. We are going to play some EVPs. <laughs> so we'll, I'm we'll, sorry. No, no, that's fine. We're going to take a little break right now. When we come back, you you will hear some of those EVPs, and Joni will tell you exactly where they came from. Don't go anywhere. Paranormal Perception. We'll be right back. You know them as the show's spiritual and paranormal consultants. You've heard heroes speak the spiritual language as he shares his knowledge with us. Now... Watch as hero Sean Clennon Bespalm investigates some well-known locations, as well as some you may have never heard of. Watch how the ancient teachings are used to communicate with the other side, and what shocking beings are sometimes unearthed. Watch their investigations on YouTube.com slash Unearthing the Supernatural, and on TikTok under at Official UTS. Think beyond written history with unearthing the supernatural. Paranormal perception continues. After this episode ends, visit www.paranormalperception.show for more. All right, we're back. This is where the fun begins. EVPs, yes, we have some. Joni just teased them a second ago. So I have a few of them that were captured by by Joni and her team. Uh, Joni, most of most of these are are from investigations, right? Yes, they are all from investigations, and um, you know it's, it's funny because I have always been really good at getting EVPs. I can be in a group full of people with voice recorders, and um, they'll come to me to talk to me versus anybody else in the room. So, you know, anybody wants to listen to my EVPs, I do have a SoundCloud account and it's just my name, Joni Mahan. And I have uh, 684 tracks. So I, this goes back 10, 15 years. Um, and some of them you can tell, you know, some of them are clear as anything. Uh, some of them are spirit box. Some of them are actual EVPs where, you know, we hear, we don't hear it at the time, but we catch it on the recorder and, uh, you know, we're very careful with those. We've listened to it quite a few times. And, you know, if you can't hear it clearly, I'm not going to put it out there. Um, I hate it when, you you know, they have to put the words up on the screen so that you know what they're saying. So yeah. uh, most of mine are pretty much Class A EVPs. Yeah, that, again, being an audio show, that uh, I, I apply the same thing. Uh, so the, most of these are going to be pretty clear, as you'll, you'll hear. So let's start with the first one. This one... Uh, I mean, should we tell them what it is first, or should we just play it and then explain what it is so that we don't, you know, taint their... Yeah, play it. Yeah. Play it, and then I'll explain it. Yeah, let's just play it first. Here it is. Do you know any of our names? 
Yeah, so that's clearly my name. Um, and I've gotten that so many times from different investigations. And uh, it's almost like they know who I am before I even get there. Uh, one of the craziest ones um, was I was somewhere and it actually said, um, we want to talk to Joni Mahan. Like mm. it said, my first and last name, which was really startling. So hearing my name doesn't surprise me, but it's always a little thrill. Um, it's like they know me. <laughs> well, especially because have you ever been there before? Or they Do they know your name even before you go to the location? Uh, they, yeah, they well, we always um, we start off a session. We always go around the group and introduce ourselves because mm, okay. I feel like. You know, we're guests in their house. Just yeah. because we can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. So they have heard our names. But, yes, a lot of times they know well before we get there that yeah. we're coming. Yeah, I love, I love hearing that because that is something that, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of teams don't do. They just barge in like it's their house, like, hey, speak to me or do this or whatever. And you're right. A lot of the, the best investigator teams or just solo investigators, they're the ones that treat them like people because they were they were people one time so you know absolutely absolutely we're very respectful we walk in and you know we ask permission to talk to them and you know we're we're very gentle like one of our rules for asking questions because with our public events you never really know what anybody's going to say before they say it but we say never ask a question you wouldn't want someone asking your grandmother (laughs) so you know we don't yeah, and we won't talk about their deaths. Like, don't talk about, don't bring up how did you die because that's the worst thing that ever happened to them. And you don't want to bring that bad memory back. So let's talk about everything else. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, you know, and we get a lot of information. I think by being that way, uh, we build trust and they're willing to talk to us. Could, could it be shocking too because some may not even be aware that they're dead. Yeah, we have run into that sometimes as well. And, and you know, we're not going to be the ones that tell them um, unless, you know, they're seeking uh, help, you yeah. know, and in which case, you know, we may. But usually we don't. We'll just talk to them like everything becomes present tense. Like, you know, where do you work? You know, how old are you? Uh, what year is it? And different things of that nature. Yeah. Or perfect example is what, what we're about to I'm about to play two of them. And I chose these two because, number one, it's appropriate for the season. We're a few, what is it, two, a few weeks away from Christmas. So you want to play these back-to-back or one one at a time? One at a time. Okay, so here's the first one. Do you like the Christmas trees? There's that one. So, yeah, that one is um, at the location we're getting ready to have an investigation at. It's um, the Chadwick House, which it, the business that's there now is called Lowry Hollow. And they, <coughs> sorry, it's a um, it's a store and it's in a very old 1830s building. And they have Christmas trees in almost every room. So we said, do you like the Christmas tree? And a voice said, I do. And then a male voice said, I like the first one. And I had to ask them, which one was the first one you set up? And it wasn't that one. It was one in another room. So he was telling us which one he liked better. Yeah. So here's here's another one, similar one. You like the Christmas tree? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, that, one, that yeah, was pretty that clear. Was- 
That was really clear. Um, that was someone had that I knew um, said he was renovating a house that he was getting ready to move into. And he asked me, he said, weird things are happening. Would you mind stopping by and seeing what you can find? And so just basically me and my friend Tracy, who also does my ghost walks with me, uh, went in and we just ran a couple spirit boxes and he had no furniture in the house. It was still under construction, but he had put up a Christmas tree in the, in the front living room window. And, um, so that's where we were sitting when we did that. And so they were obviously aware of the Christmas tree and I think it kind of enhanced the vibration in that room. It probably made them happy. You know, when's the last time they've had a Christmas tree? Yeah. It sounds like so, it. And, and also tying into what you said a second ago, and especially, this is great advice for especially beginning investigators. If you can't think of a question, like, like, like Joni said a second ago, don't ask them, you know, how did you die or something like that. Use the environment around you. Like right now, obviously, they're aware it's Christmas. They see Christmas trees. Ask them things like that. Do you like the Christmas tree? Do you like my jacket? Something like that. So, yeah, great questions. Yeah. I like that. And, and look, and obviously, they see it. They answered. Yes, definitely, which is also interesting because you know that they're able to see what's going on. Yeah. So um, a lot of times I often wonder, can they see us? And I'll ask a lot of questions like, how many fingers am I holding up? What color's my jacket? Uh, I've even asked, what color car did I drive up in? And I have had all those answered. Um, so they, they're very much aware of what's going on, yeah. some of them. Yeah, so see again. Don't not don't just ask their the normal questions. Is someone here? How did you die? And things like that. There, there's yeah, yeah. So, so this next one actually mentions my favorite holiday. I always call it my Christmas. I think you know which one. Here it is. My favorite holiday is Halloween. What's your favorite holiday? Yeah, personally, it's Halloween. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that one, had, that one happened at um, Murphy Auditorium, which we just did that one. Uh, we just had an investigation there um, October. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of crazy. So we were getting a lot of activity that night. Um, yeah, and, and that was a good one. Yeah, and if, if you couldn't hear it or if I played it too fast, it, it, at the end, uh, it, it answered, it's personal. <laughs> it didn't want to tell you what its favorite holiday was. Yeah, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, what's personal about what's your favorite holiday? Um, we were, during that investigation, we were definitely getting kind of a smart-alecky man, <laughs> and which is always fascinating to me because the spirit box runs off of the radio, and um, there's a lot of people that feel that we're getting nothing but radio signals. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you get the same voice over and over again, and they talk long sentences through the chopping you know which you know it's going to different stations and you know pretty evident that you're actually talking to someone and that same male voice came through quite a few times and uh was he was just always a little sarcastic like he really wasn't crazy about us being there um but you know he was still talking to us yeah, you know what, Johnny, I'll tell you, I've had ITC specialists on the show before. I've, I've spoken to other people, and, and some that's me, myself, as somebody who has been in radio for over 30 years, I, honestly, I never put too much too much faith in, in SB7s because, you know, the one, the one that does that, because I hear a lot of songs, a lot of commercials. I've heard myself on mm -hmm. there until that changed when my guys, my spiritual consultants on Earth and the Supernatural, they're a Navajo team. 
when when we went out with them and we started filming things and doing investigations when they get answers they get answers sometimes in navajo or in the spiritual language which there is no station on the planet or anywhere anywhere that shouldn't be airing that so when that started coming that i knew okay it's for real and they can use these frequencies so that that's what finally swayed me that yeah they can use um the sp7s to talk Oh, absolutely. And sometimes they'll say uh, words that they don't allow on the radio. Yeah. You know, we've had that happen a lot of times and clear as day. And it's like, okay, that was not on the radio. Or sometimes they'll give us one place. We said uh, we were in one room. And we said, what's your father's name? And and they said Hugo Stutt. <laughs> and, you know, that's I, I haven't been able to track that down. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, that's normal. There's a lot of people have come and gone over the, you know, 200 years this town's been in place but you know we've gotten some really valid answers and um uh, there was one uh one investigation that was in uh parsons field seminary in maine and uh, we used to go up there a lot it was like an old um like an old school and we were in one of the main auditorium rooms and we turned on the spirit box and there were so many voices coming through. It was like they all wanted to talk at once. And I said, you're going to have to talk one at a time. We can't understand you. And a male voice came through clear as day. He said, we are not going to behave. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, it was relevant. And, you know, you know, that wasn't on the radio. Yeah. Um, so yeah they they've learned how to talk through it and i found that sometimes when we first go to a location um they you know they don't know what to do with it this is the first time they've ever seen it and sometimes it takes a couple times of going back to kind of train them and teach them uh show them that you know give them a level of trust that we're not trying to hurt you with this we just want to know your story and um you know, it's just being respectful, but uh, it, the longer we go, the more we get. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I've always thought that kind of tied into what we said earlier with the Christmas uh, EVPs we played, that if you're getting spirits from before the invention of radio or television, obviously they don't know what that is or, or our technology, or our smartphones, any of that. But I think the more investigated teams that go out there and the shows like, like Zach and the boys and every, all the shows that go out there and use these fancy equipment i think they're starting to get used to it and they're not that scared of it anymore yeah we've had a couple buildings locally here like this town has never been investigated before until i came here um so this is all brand new for them so we've been kind of training them and um you know there were times when we were getting nothing like you know they thought our flashy blinky things and noisy machines were evil and we would get that across the spirit box that's evil that's evil and uh so we would use things like dowsing rods or uh one time we brought um a pinwheel like you get at the dollar store and we yeah. put poked a hole in a spear in a solo cup put it in the middle of the room and um we had a 20 minute conversation with <laughs> with the um with the solo cup and the pinwheel and learned that we were talking to a 10-year-old boy who lived in that building and uh, died because something happened to his leg. And New Harmony is very well researched, so we were able to go through and find the documentation that there was indeed a little boy that lived in that building and died when he was 10 years old after losing his leg in a freak cannon accident. Hmm. So, 
And people see him. His name is Samuel. Um, they feel him in the same window. It's so funny. I'll kind of do a ghost walk past the building. And every once in a while, I'll have someone with gifts in my group. And they'll say, who's the little boy in that window up there? And I'm like, that's Samuel. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's just crazy how many people pick up on him. So he's very strong. Um, but, you know, he didn't want to talk to the spirit box, but he was fine talking through the pinwheel. Yeah. yeah. Actually, again, another perfect segue because I was about to say some of the scariest could also be some of the saddest EVPs are when you get kids, kids on there. And this next one is exactly that. So here it is. Between the ages of one and five. What was that? Yeah, you clearly heard the scream there from a kid. That was crazy. And that story is kind of ongoing. So... There's a building in town. Uh, it's used for wedding events, and they've—it's a very old building built in 1860, and they've been having paranormal activity there for a very long time. And so they asked if I would come in because things were starting to get out of hand, and it was scaring them. And they trusted me, knew that I would come in and maybe give them more idea of what was going on. And while we were there, we were getting uh, several different voices, but one we were getting a child coming through the spirit box. And we thought, well, let's just try to see if we can learn a little bit more. And uh, at the same time, we were also running the SLS camera, which, you know, if you've watched the ghost shows, it's the stick figure. It's based on Xbox technology. And we had a little stick figure pop up in between me and another investigator. And it was reactive, like it would reach out and touch our hand and um, and then it disappeared. So that was when we were trying to get more information. You know, how old are you? We weren't running the spirit box. We turned it off. Uh, we were using dowsing rods. Like if you're over the age of 10, you know, or, or are you over the age of 10 or whatever? And we really weren't getting anything. And then all of a sudden from behind us, we heard a rustle, like a bag rattling. And then we heard a little kid go, rawr. Like somebody, like a little kid trying to scare us. And it was loud enough, like you heard Ben say, what was that? Um, We, you know, we all turned in the same direction. And um, of course, you know, we're big on making sure it's accurate. So um, Tracy took off out through the front door and I took off the side door, which leads into the Red Geranium restaurant to make sure there were no children anywhere and it was about 10 30 at night so chances are there wouldn't have been any but we wanted to make sure and um i ran into one of the waiters at the restaurant and he said you know no there's not been any children here he said but that's really funny because uh just last week uh people coming out of the restaurant looked up at the side of this building and saw a little child a little girl standing in the window and they were concerned because they didn't know how she got up there. And, you know, there's no way there, a child would have gotten up in this window. It was full of storage stuff. You can't even get to the window. So I have been told as well that the little girl will follow my ghost walks. Um, like, we'll pick her up there and she'll continue walking with us. And at the end of my one of my ghost walks, we do a dowsing rod session where I invite guests to experiment with the dowsing rods, and we almost always pick up on a little girl. You know, I never tell them, you know, who's there or anything. I just say, you know, start finding out who's here, find out if there's a man or a woman or a child, and there's always a little girl. 
And uh, I had a psychic medium with me on one of the ghost walks, and he said, you know who that is, right? He said, that's a little girl from the Green Gothic. She follows you on the ghost walks. And so now we've tried to, uh, you know, hone in on that and ask her, you know, is the, are you the little girl from the Green Gothic? We haven't gotten her name or anything. And really, there's no history about a little girl being there and dying there. But then again, what, you know, everything's not documented. So she could have very well lived there without us knowing see that that changes the story for me at least a little bit because when i first heard it i it sounds like you know the child is in pain or he he or she fell it sounds like it's a she now she fell or something but now you're saying i hear that it's saying you're saying it sounds like a, uh, mischievous a, yeah like she's trying to scare you like she come out of, you know come out from behind a door or something and try to scare like i can hear that that makes sense now so yeah oh yeah yeah oh yeah like uh, you know being there i mean being there we heard that at the time and um you know it was a disembodied voice which you know are pretty rare actually um especially you know considering in the middle of an investigation like that so we were you know we were stunned by it and thrilled as well so it gave us another a little bit more information that we can dig into at another point you know try to learn more about this little girl and why she's there and I do try to help them. Um, I'm capable of helping them cross over if they want to go. So I have crossed over quite a few of them in town. If they want to go, I'm going to help them. Because um, I feel like if you keep them trapped here for the purpose of making money off of them, it's no better than slavery. So, you know, we always offer them the option. I bring it up in every investigation. Do you want to move on? We can help you. Yeah. And uh, most of them don't want to. Most of them are happy where they are. This is where they've been. Uh, we've got another building in town that has several children's spirits in it. And um, they're mischievous. They play with the lights. They're they are very interactive with um, people that just come into the building and also with our investigations. And they have no interest in going anywhere else. That's home to them. That's where they are. So yeah. it's just all so different. Yeah. They're not bothering anybody. Why? Why bother them? So, absolutely. So let's move on to the the last EVP that we have here. Here it is. Do you ever visit your neighbor down in the basement? Yeah, he's evil. Um, and I think I know where that one was from. Um, actually, it seems like you know. Just go back and just generalize because. So many times there's always a grumpy man in the basement. <laughs> and <laughs> it's it, it's so common. I mean, we have categories of ghosts. Like there's the sad woman, there's the grumpy man in the basement, there's the child, you know, there's like so many different categories and it seems like we hit a lot of them, but the the basement thing I think makes a lot of sense to me. Um if someone were hanging around earthbound maybe they did something bad or they they died in anger um they're not going to really want to be around people they're going to go to the place where they will have the least amount of interaction with other humans and so and they're angry when people come into their space it's like this is my room you know you stay out of here and we've encountered that quite a few times. Um, I believe that one was also from Murphy Auditorium. We've gotten that same response so many times, it's hard to know which one it was from. But uh, there was a man in the basement who was on the negative side, and people would feel him. They'd feel uncomfortable when they went down there. And as a medium, I could definitely pick up on him. But um, I have, you know, I don't go into that 
philosophy that evil is evil because a lot of times what we perceive as evil is anger and anger stems from hurt so perhaps this man in life had some really bad things happen to him and he got hurt and then he got angry and now he's down there licking his wounds and we've actually turned that around a couple of times in investigations just by showing compassion you know what happened to you in life do you want to talk about it and you know it's almost like ghost counseling we've actually crossed a few over doing that just you know there's no reason for you to be down here be be feeling so angry and so hurt you know how about you go be with your family in heaven and you know we've had a lot of success with that so I'm not saying there's not evil. Um, I've made a living off of writing about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are definitely some negative entities out there. Um, but, you know, you have to take a second harder look and, and understand whether it's really truly evil or if it's just somebody who's had a lot of bad things happen to them in life. Yeah, so so there there's all the EVP. Well, that's not all of them. That's just the ones that uh, some of the ones that I pick. There there are over six hundred, as you heard Joni say, and I have a link to the to the SoundCloud. So you can go through every single one of them, and I know this audience is gonna want to. So I have it linked up for you guys in the show description. Just click on there, and it'll take you there. So to wrap up, Joni, um, do you have anything special or any appearances or, any, or books or anything coming up that we should look for in twenty twenty three? Oh, I'm definitely, I'm working on a book right now. I have a, a fictional series um, that follows a woman who is a location scout for a paranormal TV show. And, um, and the first book is called Crazy Dead People. Uh, the second book is called Demon a la Mode. And I'm currently working on the third, ha- third book to that series, which is called Dark House Tango, which involves uh, a haunted house that they come across. So, um yeah um and then we have our investigation in january and we'll be starting up ghost walks again and probably march as soon as it gets warm enough um we'll be doing those again so um that's pretty much how to find me yeah and, and um i have it linked up on the show description but go ahead and give them the uh the websites again um you can find me on joanymahan.com j-o-n-i-m-a-y-h-a-n.com or hauntednewharmony.com or you know i do have an author page on facebook um you can find me on there um i'm also on tiktok i'm posting a lot of things and it's just my name joni mayhan 933 um i have instagram i don't use it as much as i should but um yeah i'm on all the socials so you can find me somewhere yeah, and I'll find everything. I think they're all on the on the website. So everything on there. Just, again, just click on Joni's name in the show description, and it'll take you there. And also the SoundCloud. I know a lot of you want to hear all the EVPs. So at SoundCloud, I have that linked up on the show description for you also. So, Joni, thanks a lot for coming on. I have a feeling I'm going to have you back again and talk about some other things, especially the the new book. I did see that actually on your website when I was when I was reading there. The, I think it was last night. Um. Having worked on paranormal shows myself, I definitely want to want to read that one for sure. Uh, so okay. probably want to have uh, have you back when that one comes out. And, and also, I should say thank you to Gary Allen for connecting you and I. He was on a few weeks ago and he told me about you, so that yeah. that's why you're here. So thanks, Gary. Uh, I'm sure he's probably listening. And uh, Joni, for you, thanks a lot again, and you are welcome back on the show anytime. Awesome! Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And everybody else, uh, next week is going to be the final regular, well, I I guess really this one was their final regular episode for 2022, because next week is a brand new episode, yes, but it's also a special episode. 
because a lot of you that were listening to Joni talk right now and you were thinking, and I've had a few authors over the last few weeks, you're thinking, and I met some of you actually at OC Paracom, you know, I have an idea for a paranormal book. I just don't know how to get started, how to get it published, all of that. Well, next week is specifically for you because we're going to do a show on on that. How do you start writing? How do you get it published? Everything that you could possibly want to know about publishing and writing a paranormal book, that will be covered on next week's episode. So, as always, come on back next week and we'll give you a new perception of the paranormal. Everybody have a great weekend. And that was a new paranormal perception. The broadcast will quiet at this time for your safety. Continue to carry out the following instructions. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And watch event coverage on our YouTube channel, all under Paranormal Perception. Follow the show's spiritual counselors on YouTube and TikTok, both under Unearthing the Supernatural. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, or know someone who should be, send an email to henry at paranormalperception.show. This is Paranormal Perception. Paranormal Perception was produced by 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC.